0: and uh, even here lately we've been having more conversations about don't even worry about calling worry about equipping Uh, and as you equip calling will reveal itself you know i think too often we we are looking for the called people to equip and i wonder if we have the cart backwards
1: You're listening to the SIN Columbus podcast, a conversation for developing strategies and sharing stories as we plant churches everywhere for everyone. Your hosts are SIN City missionary, Chad Grigsby and church planting catalyst, Jason Phillips.
2: Welcome back to the SIN Columbus podcast. My name is Jason Phillips, your Columbus CPC. I'm joined by Chad Grigsby, our Columbus SCM. And today we are joined by Charles Campbell. Charles, welcome.
1: Thanks, guys. It's good to be with you. Actually, I'm Charles, so we have two Charleses. Yeah. I see. I, I thought
2: I was, I thought I wasn't calling oh. you that anymore.
1: Oh. That's, that's my oh. real name. Charles is Charles, <laughs> but I but I go by Chad because that makes sense. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be Carl.
2: Charles, have you ever thought about switching to Chad?
0: No, yeah. I've never thought about Chad. Never thought about switching to Chad, so I've heard I could switch to Carl. I was <laughs> like, was, okay, yeah, that's another
2: option.
1: So now is Charles is Chad Childress y- your guy you work with, or is he your direct report? Or yeah, Chad's my work.
0: Chad's my direct boss. So
1: yeah, so we could have three Chads if you changed. That's true. <laughs> <to Chad. laughs> that's true. There's not a lot of Chads. There are not. There, there. there are not. So, but I know I know a few. So. I know a few.
2: Well, Charles, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and your family and how you got originally connected with the SEND Network?
0: Yeah. So live in central Illinois, um, married to Candy. Uh, we will celebrate 35 years of marriage next week. Um, so it's kind of fun. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Three girls. Um, our oldest, Carrie, lives in Indianapolis with her husband, JT. And uh, they've given us our first grandbaby. So that's fun. Congrats! Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're on the way. So Rose. One? Yeah. Ro- Rosie is 13 months old oh. and uh, she's got a baby sister coming in August. So, oh. so close, close together. Um, and then our youngest um, Haley, she lives down in Southwest Missouri, uh, close to Springfield, Missouri, and she's getting married June the 4th. So we'll welcome another Son-in-law to the to the tribe here in a few weeks, um, and then our middle daughter Madeline, uh, she's in grad school at Mississippi College down outside of uh, Jackson, Mississippi. So she's actually actually starts today. Today's her first day on the job as a NICU nurse um, while she's also working grad school. So um,
1: now, that's actually Clinton, Mississippi, isn't it? Yeah, she's in Clinton. Yep, she's in. Yeah. Clinton.
0: You know your you know I'm, your Mississippi geography. Yeah, Mississippi geography. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So um, Central Illinois has been home since the early 90s, served a couple of churches in the area, and then in 2000 went to work for Illinois Baptist on their state convention staff doing student ministry primarily, and then in 05 um, felt the call to possibly church plant, and so was thinking about leaving to go plant a church. Recognized that I wasn't a lead guy I was a really good number two guy um and so I actually partnered up with a lead guy at an assessment and we co-planted the church that I still attend um and then I began to do church planting at the state level um and so I was always a jointly funded missionary with the North American Mission Board um but uh so church planting has been in my blood for a long time even when I was doing student ministry student ministry is just kind of a church planting incognito, quite honestly, you know, because <laughs> you're always starting things. You're always developing leaders. Um, every four years, you have to almost kind of start all over again, uh, you know, because mm. kids are being constantly raised up and sent out. Uh, so it's actually a good – it was a good I, – I finally recognized, hey, I'm really a starter, um, you know. Uh, and so that's really what led me on the journey to church planting. And then um, how I got really full-time with Nam. Um, uh, around 2013, 2014, somewhere along in there, I met Mac Lake and Mac was doing these cool assessments, um, in Phoenix and Vegas. And so I took myself and one other buddy of mine, Chris Wright, we went out to Vegas to watch and basically steal whatever we could steal and bring back, <laughs> um, and to change how we were doing assessment in Illinois, because it just, it was okay. Um, uh, and so we started doing that. And then two years later, Mac brought all of his work to NAM. And so the assessment centers that we do today at NAM really got their formation and foundation with all of Mac's work. Um, and then there was this whole training side of things that he was doing with Church Planters. And um, I was at an event to be trained to be an assessor for NAM for Chicago. And Mac was in the room. He's like, hey, I'm looking for a trainer for the Midwest. Would you know anybody? And I said, I don't know. Let me see the job description. So he handed it to me. I looked at it. I walked outside. I called my wife and I said, hey, would you mind if I applied for a job without us (laughs) actually having talked about it? She said, those don't have to move. I'm I'm okay with that. I said, I think it's a work from home job. And, so I walked back in, I looked at Mac and I said, <laughs> I would like me? to apply for this job. <laughs> exactly. Was that, was that his
1: intention the whole time? Was no, he... I don't, okay. I don't
0: think so. Um, okay. but okay. if it was, um, cause he's like, cause this was in the fall of 15. Um, and he's like, are you sure? I was like, absolutely. I would love yeah. to do this job. Yeah. You know, um, just a little that I knew about him and our friendship. So that was in, that was in about September of 2015 in January of 2016 I was full time working on the training team. So, and um, shortly
1: after yeah, shortly after that I attended a train the trainer in St. Louis yeah. and you were the trainer. Yeah. You, I was the trainer exactly. And so then at that at I, that point I guess Rick Duncan was kind of getting onboarded as a trainer yeah. and uh it was the, yes. still to this day the best training I've ever been to. Charles. That's
0: awesome. That's so good to hear. Well, I found my home I mean, quite honestly, uh, when I, wa- when I, when I discovered the process, went through the process was equipped to train, uh, then I just, I jumped in, I mean, to use the analogy, I drank the Kool-Aid, I mean, big time. So, um, and, uh, and then about a year and a half later, Mac left to start his own company and I took over the team. Uh, and so that was a whole nother level. Of just kind of leadership development. But quite honestly, Mac had done such a phenomenal job in getting me ready. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was ready to do it. And then I had to, as he said to me when he was walking out the door, the last 20%, you can't do, you can't learn until you start leading the team. And you'll learn that last 20% as you lead. And that was so true. Um, And um, so since that point, since 2018, the team's gone through multiple, you know, twists and turns. Uh, You know, we combined training and coaching. I took over that team. Uh, And then most recently, the last year and a half, um, we merged that team with um, Marcus Redding's team that was kind of doing all the multiplication pipeline. And that became the regional equipper team. And so Marcus and I co-lead that team. So that's the latest iteration. Um, And as anyone that knows that works at NAMM, uh, you know, you, you do your Stay job until tuned. somebody else says exactly. Until somebody else says, "Hey, we need you to," do and you're like, "Okay." Uh, so yeah. I've just learned to, because the first transition was pretty rough, um, but I've just learned since that time just to be open-handed. Um, hey, what do you God? I, know you, I trust you. I've got you. Uh, you've got me, um, and I'm just going to be open-handed and whatever the organization needs me to do, I'm going to try to say yes to as best I can. Um, so, so that's my that's kind of my journey in a nutshell. Uh, yeah. That got me from where I am to where I was to where I am today.
2: Yeah. So, what is your actual yeah. role then now?
0: Yeah. So Title. I'm the co-director of the re- yeah I'm the co-director of the regional equipper team. Uh, okay. Marcus and I co-lead. Uh, basically, what we did was we kept whoever we were already supervising. We kept those relational lines in place. Uh, but then also, I'm kind of a player coach because. Uh, Marcus and I took the south region and we divided it between the two of us and then actually two of our teammates are also helping us in the south because we've got more and more of our state conventions in the south that want to use more and more of our systems and tools and so we're we've been in the last year Marcus and I've just been running hard to onboard uh, like I've been onboarding Texas and Oklahoma and providing support to them while we raise up trainers and coaches and help churches develop residencies. And then as they're building out their teams of CPCs and SCMs and those kind of things, uh, we're walking alongside those guys to try to help them whatever whatever we need, whatever they need from us. So um, so it's a lot of sitting down with guys like you guys and just saying, hey, what do you need? How can I help you? Questions. I, I ask that question almost on a daily basis. Uh, so,
1: um, yeah. so yeah,
0: so that's that's kind of what I do.
1: So what is your favorite thing about what you do? You obviously do a lot. You've regional equippers. Yeah. They kind of, they're, 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 they wear a lot of hats. Uh, so what's your, what's your favorite thing about what you do?
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I love to train. Um, so whether I'm actually running a training map, like I was last week in Dallas, I was um, onboarding a new co-trainer. He's actually Aaron Clayton. He's going to be taking over uh, training for Southern Baptist Convention of Texas. Uh, and so that was the, that was the pass off of it last week. Um, so whether I'm in a room like that with him, helping train him as he trains, trainers who are going to train church planners, um, or just being one-on-one with a pastor, helping equip that pastor, you know, with the tools that he needs, um, to start a residency. Um, so just anytime I can get in a room, ask good questions, help the light bulb come on for people. That's my favorite part of the job.
1: Great. Well, you're really good at it. Um, like I said, I, I think this is the best training I ever, ever went to. So I don't know what that says either. I haven't been to a lot of trainings or a lot of the trainings I've been to have been bad or you're a really good trainer, Charles. I think it's the third one.
0: Hey, the third one. I'll, I'll, I'll take any or all I'll take any or all. So, well, I mean, like I said, when I discovered the process, I, I, I knew this was, this was the thing that God had uniquely wired me to do.
1: So, so talk uh, about that. Talk about the process. <laughs> talk about the light bulb moment you had, like what was the thing or two things or whatever that, you, that, that kind of made that happen for you that, that activated you really? I mean, you kind yeah, of got absolutely.
0: activated. Absolutely. So like I've been to a lot of trainings. I love to train. I've got an educational background. Um, but a lot of trainings that I've been to, I was just like, man, something is missing. There's a lot mm-hmm. of good content here, but it's just like, it's a lot of lecture. Um, mm-hmm. People aren't going to remember this. I don't remember it. Uh, it's not you interesting. Walk away,
1: you, know? you walk away kind of tired.
0: Absolutely. You're checked out. Um, it's not engaging. Uh, there's got to be a better way. Mm. And the first time I went to a train, it used to be called training the trainer. Now we call it training map. The first time I walked into that environment, I was like, man, something's different. Um, And then over the course of the next three days, I just was like blown away because I was like, ah, this is it. Um, So, you know, it's built on a 4E philosophy of explore, experience, evaluate, equip, just those basic 4Es, A were helpful. And then all these techniques that Mac, they're not techniques you don't know about. I mean, things like brainstorming and practice and um, some group coaching might be a new one for people telling good stories that make a point. So strategic narratives. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like these things were like brand new to me, but the way that they were connected together, um, in a really strategic way, uh, just made sense and made the content come alive and made it easier to remember. And to me, that was the big deal at the end of the day. If I can remember the majority of what I've learned, then something was done right. You know? Yeah.
1: Um, I remember walking into the room and seeing the quote, talking isn't teaching and listening isn't learning. And I've never forgotten yep. it. I saw yeah. that and I've never Absolute. forgotten it. And then yeah. to, to think about the 12 hardwired habits, right? And you just mentioned Twelve training
0: first. techniques. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, yeah the, so each
0: yeah. so each technique has five hardwired habits, but yeah, the okay. 12 techniques.
1: Yeah. So you, you mentioned the 12, te- you mentioned some of the 12 techniques. So there's 12 yep. learning techniques, two of which are kind of the ones we typically think of, which are directive teaching and strategic narrative. Yep. So to think that there's like yep. 10 other ways to learn stuff, <laughs> you know, Yeah. and so, if, yeah. If, if, you know, if you're out there and you're a church planter or you're a trainer or you lead leaders at all, realizing that really two out of 12 things are what we do the majority of the time, so, something's got to change right in our, in our training and
0: absolutely and and it kind of
1: wrecks you for like lecture it really does right like you you can't really train that way anymore and when you go to a training like that you're like oh this is not gonna stick as well right so it's it's well yeah and and i I have to be
0: careful because i'm like super passionate about it i understand there are some contexts where um lecture might be an appropriate way to do some things but if it's like it could could the could the teacher, seminary instructor or somebody else, could they deliver that, that content to me in a different way so that then when I come into the classroom, we could have a robust conversation about that lecture, you know? Uh, you know, because quite honestly, is could the lecture, I mean, it's almost like reading a book. You know, if a guy's teaching to me for an hour, could I consume that same content in audible format and then... You know, develop some questions and then come in and really have a good conversation with the teacher. Um, so I think we default to lecture a lot of times because we're afraid people won't actually consume the content that we give to them to read or listen mm-hmm. to. Uh, but I think if we came in with an expectation of, hey, we're actually going to talk about, you know, I want you to listen to my forty-five minute lecture, and then when you come to class, uh, we're going to we're going to have a dialogue about these questions about my lecture. So bring your questions. I'm going to have some questions. We're going to do some other things really synthesize your learning i'm thinking wow that would actually be a great great class to go to you know so um,
1: one of of my favorite things about that way of training is leading people to self discovery mm -hmm. because it's so much more powerful when someone learns something like for themselves than you just telling it to them so like those those self-assessments where you assess yourself like no one's telling you you're bad at evangelism you just you just assessed you it. yourself you, as bad you exactly <laughs> you exactly. just admitted yeah. you were bad at evangelism yeah you know, or whatever yeah those are well, such a, those are powerful moments
0: no i would agree and the thing is because i was just i was just thinking about that just and even something we, we just modeled here um at a church i'm at today um when a person discovers for themselves they have greater ownership Um, if they, if they achieve what they've learned, if they, if they like, if they actually execute on their plan, there's a, there's an empowering confidence that builds in that person because it was their plan, not your plan. Um, If they fail, they've got to own it because it was their plan, not your plan. Whereas if you give them a plan and they, and they fail at it, they look at you and go, well, if Grigsby hadn't given me that plan, you know, i i wouldn't have screwed it up you know if it had been my plan i would have i would have i would have have accomplished it you know or even if they accomplished it and it was your plan they're like well it really wasn't my plan it was really chad's plan i just i just ran the play and it really wasn't me well you haven't grown any kind of confidence in them Mm. and their ability to execute the thing that they learned so i just think it's also a whole other level of empowering so yeah
1: and if if they have a plan And it's not as good as the plan that you would give them, but it's Mm -hmm. a plan that they own. They're going to do better with a plan that they own that's worse than the plan that you give them, (laughs) right? That's exactly right. No, that's exactly right. Absolutely. That's just a powerful thing. It's Good. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, So for me, just to kind of summarize what we've been talking about, anytime I can get in a room and do training, I don't care what kind of training it is, I love to do that. Uh and so, so if it's helping a church with a residency or if it's helping a CPC get equipped to help a church with residency or training or coaching, uh, I just I, I love to watch the aha moments happen for people and try to create environments, orchestrate environments where that can happen to people. And uh I'll do that all day long every day until God takes me home.
2: That's good. Circling back to something you said earlier, you said part of your, a big part of your role is really getting with pastors and just really asking them, like, what are the things that you need? What are some of the things that you hear really, really often?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I specifically, I mean, they're calling me for a reason. Um, and so typically it's, it's around the idea of developing residencies. Um, so it's, it's not as broad of a question when the question gets asked. Um, you know, about just everything in general. So we are, we are specifically um, talking more about residencies. Um, I think for a lot of guys, uh, a lot of people have not had anyone intentionally develop them or disciple them. So a lot of pastors, uh, they're still trying to figure out how do I do that? You know, um, and uh, so just the art of coming alongside and pouring yourself into somebody is a real foreign concept, unfortunately, uh, for a lot of pastors and uh, and leaders, and uh, and quite honestly, no fault to their own. Uh, it's just we've we've been through a, we've been in a season where uh, programming classes and having things you attend and having it be very knowledge based uh, without a lot of experience uh, experiences to go with it and and just practical life application. Um, has not been the norm for us in the church so so i spent actually a lot of time helping them just simplify how they think about residency and just man just uh clinton clifton talks about this all the time just find one other dude and and pour yourself into that guy you know Mm. um and so you know we talk about kind of our formal definition being intentional pathways so again how are you intentionally um pouring yourself into somebody what's that look like um so that's that's probably that's probably the biggest conversation that I have on a regular basis. Um, yeah. So that and and I will get the regular conversation of Hey, can you help me recruit somebody? And I'm like, <laughs> okay. uh, I mean, I I get that question all the time, and I don't. It doesn't matter what the size of the church is. You know, big church, small church, mega church. Everybody's going. Can you help me recruit somebody? I'm like, No, I can't. Right. So uh, how do you? I can help you develop somebody.
1: How do you? how do you spend that? Like somebody who says, Hey, I want to invest in someone. I'm interested in investing in someone. Let me know if you have someone, you know, or, yep, or we're interested in having a resident. If you can find the guy, how do you help them see that, that actually they have people in their life that they could do this with? How do you, how do you help them do that?
0: I just asked that question. Who do you know? Who do you have sitting in your pew? Who are you doing life with? um, That you could call out, you know, uh and uh, even here lately we've been having more conversations about don't even worry about calling worry about equipping uh and as you equip calling will reveal itself you know i think too often we we are looking for the called people to equip and i wonder if we have the cart backwards i wonder if we should be just equipping people i mean if you think about it jesus just found 12 dudes, um, you know, they weren't chasing after him, which quite honestly is the normal case in that rabbinic world, right? You went and presented yourself to a rabbi and said, Hey, I want to follow you. But in the case of Jesus, Jesus went and called his dudes to follow him, uh, and just poured himself into him for three years. Uh, and then quite honestly, I think we could probably make a case that they didn't discover their calling until after he was gone, you know?
1: I think so many of us yeah. are called in the process of being equipped.
0: Yeah. Exactly. No, I agree. That's that's what it's, I'm saying. I think yeah, I think once as we're being equipped, I think we discover our calling in the midst
1: of it. Absolutely. You know? I mean, on a mission uh, trip, people get called to missions. Not that get called to missions, then go on a mission trip. Like so many so much of the time yeah. it's during that yeah. process of doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So so I think I think that's a conversation I have a I have a lot
1: um with pastors
0: just Hey, just start finding people in your church. Find faithful men, find faithful women in your church who are already living out godly lives in their homes, in their workplaces. And then what can you do to begin to equip them to take their next step in their missional journey um, towards living out the gospel? And some of those people are going to raise their hand along the way, Chad, like you just said, and go, Hey, I think God might be calling me to something. vocationally, you know, use that language. Um, It's like, okay, well, let's, let's, let's talk through that.
1: That's powerful. I think we got time for one more question, Jason, you got, got a couple here listed, but what stands out to you?
2: No, I was just, this whole conversation is reminding me of our conversation with Ryan a little bit. Uh, We had Ryan Johnston on the podcast last week. And one of the things that Chad really pulled from that um, too, was that Every, I think a lot of times pastors don't know where to start with residencies, and what Chad yeah. kind of took from that podcast was that every pastor already has a residency inside them, and it's really, we yeah. just have to learn how to draw that out of pastors, yeah. and like you said, there are all, all those people that we, there are people in the pews that can be discipled. Yeah, so We just need to no. find them. You know, no,
0: absolutely. That's, like that. that's why we use the word intentional. I think, I think there are a lot of unintentional residencies happening <laughs> and intentional processes. So, um, yeah. you know, but what, is, what does it look like to be, to intentionally, and we use the three D's to intentionally discover. So what's it look like to have this, I see and you conversation with somebody. And then what's it look like to intentionally develop them towards places and how do we intentionally deploy them to those places that God has put on our hearts and their hearts to go take the gospel. Um, and so, and I would make the case everybody has a place because God gave the great commission to all of us. And it's just a matter of, um, for some people, their place may be their neighbor next door for other people. Their place may be in another city where they're going to go plant, uh, you know, a church or go serve in another country. And so, um, so how do we as pastors help develop our people toward the places that God has already called them to, you know? So, so yeah, so it's, I, that's, that's what I'm chasing after. I'm going to keep chasing after until God calls me home or, you know, Vance Pittman tells me to go do something else. So. <laughs> or or, or Nan tells you to do something <laughs> different. Yeah.
1: Well, Charles, this has been great, man. Really appreciate your time. And just, uh, again, Thanks. I've learned a lot from you, uh, I've I've learned a lot about training from you that's changed my approach to training. And so Mm. and just, thanks for your investment you make in leaders and in our network. And we're super thankful for our regional equipper, Jim, Jim Scott. And uh, I And so really, really appreciate you guys and all, all you do. Thanks for checking out today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember every church is a multiplying church in the making.